Welcome to the Market Leader Podcast, where we believe that marketing is measured by sales, the status quo is the enemy, and empowering your team is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Ryan McInerney, and this show is sponsored by Blue Matter, the marketing agency alternative. I think the problem with ABM, when we talk about it and, and why, and I think I said in the last episode, I, I laugh when, when people say ABM is controversial because it's like if you're selling other businesses, if you're marketing other businesses, then you are account-based marketing. And that's, that's part of the problem. So account-based marketing is a thing and it's not a thing. Account-based marketing is not a strategy. Account-based marketing is a subset of B2B marketing. That was Doug Davidoff of Imagine LLC in Baltimore, Maryland. And you're about to hear him and Sangra Vajray of Terminus, an account-based marketing software company in Atlanta, go toe-to-toe in a friendly debate over a much-debated topic in B2B marketing and sales circles. I invited Doug and Sangram back to the show to pick up where we left off. If you didn't hear that episode, then I recommend you check it out on YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe. We've got a lot to cover, so let's jump in. Well, welcome everybody back to the Market Leader Podcast. This is actually episode two, uh, where we're talking about ABM. We're talking about a, account-based marketing and really trying to, to flesh out, is this something that's actually a thing? Uh, if it is a thing, is it useful? And if it's useful, who is it useful tool to and, and essentially when? Now, to help me do that today, I've got back with me, and this is not just a uh, two-part where we recorded for two hours in one episode. This is really us coming back together after having been apart for a short while. I've got uh, Sangram Varje, and did I get it right? Vajre, excellent, and Doug Davidoff with me too, that uh, we can focus now our attention on pulling this apart and asking ourselves the questions that we need to ask so we can think clearly, think sober-mindedly about the decisions that we make within our organizations. I want to remind you that this is a safe place to be a skeptic. And uh, the gentlemen that are here are both experts in their field. And uh, we're going to go ahead and ask them today exactly what their thoughts are and help you be able to make decisions for yourself. So I, I thought you were going to say I'm an expert at being a cynic, but uh, that was good. Sorry. <laughs> well, you've got, a, you've got a great BS detector, Doug. So we're going we're gonna to allow that to be alive and well on today's call. So for this episode, Sangram, I realized in the last show when we got together, we didn't have a proper definition on the table of what ABM is. And you guys have like a 70-some page PDF, you know, go big or go home PDF on ABM. And you break down a, a whole host of different tactics that are inside this category. What I'm curious about is if you could give us just a proper, simple definition, and then I'll, uh, Doug, I'll see what you think sure. about it. So having written the book in 2015, I had a pretty crazy definition that, that included almost every single alphabet from, you know, from anywhere you could find. And then in the last three years, I think I've realized that where we are is ABM. And the definition that I have now is ABM is purely just focused B2B marketing. That's how I think about ABM now. It is not saying that it's only B2B marketing because, you know, we were talking before we started to hit record, we were talking about like, look, inbound is not like it's gone or it shouldn't be done. In some cases, it makes sense to do it. But if you are being focused and diligent about the type of accounts that is going to drive revenue for you and you know who they are, that's when you do ABM. So the definition is quite simple for me. It's focused B2B marketing. Doug, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I agree. I, I was hoping he was going to give me some definition that was going to be more more segmented than that. I, I think the problem with ABM, when we talk about it and, and why, and I think I said in the last episode, I, I laugh when, when people say ABM is controversial because it's like if you're selling other businesses, if you're marketing other businesses, then you are account-based marketing. And that's, that's part of the problem. So account-based marketing is a thing and it's not a thing, right? Account-based marketing is not a strategy. Account-based marketing is not a tactic. Account-based marketing is a subset of B2B marketing. And, and, I, and I do like what he said with, you know, it, it, it's that focused approach. There's, there's certainly B2B that plays, I don't know who my buyers are, and so they need to find me. Or when you do outbound, you have a spray and pray approach, which is very, very much the old school approach. So, so you can certainly be doing B2B marketing and doing something that's not ABM. I think the problem is, is that it got introduced or gets talked about. Frankly, it gets talked about by a lot of people who do what I do. 
Um, it's kind of like branding. I was, you know, branding's really an end. It's not a means, but a whole bunch of consultants turned an end into a means, made it really complicated so they could charge really big fees for branding exercises. And so we create this idea and everyone says, this is what ABM is. And that's why you need to buy my software, my consulting, my this, my that, the other thing. And I think that's where people get lost. I was talking to um, actually a client I'm, after this podcast, I'm talking to a client and they're, well, we've been thinking about doing some ABM, but uh, you know, we're not sure we're ready for it. You know, all we really have is a list of about 4,000 companies that we want to do business with. And we're trying to figure out how to market to them and attract them. And we're not really ready. We're, and I'm going, well, you know, hello, stop. That's, mm-hmm. that's ABM. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ABM exists on that continuum. I think that's where people get lost, but, I'm going to find well, somewhere to disagree I, with you. Today, actually, actually, Thomas. might I want to make sure I caught you know what you were saying? You said ABM is not a tactic, but you also said ABM is not a strategy. Is that in fact what you wanted to say? Or so I mean, yeah. so right, let me start with the first disagreement of uh, of the show. So to me, ABM. It, what's interesting about it? I don't I don't even remember last time if we got into this, but I felt like email marketing automation, predictive, all these are tactics, right? All these are tools to do certain things. And the reason uh, I believe ABM got all the the love, I guess, from, from a lot of the market, but of course, vendors like me and people who care about the, the like some of this aspect of it started to just jump on it and talk about it more is because for the first time, I personally felt like in 15 years of my marketing career, we're finally back to the drawing board and talking about strategy. And ABM kind of allowed us to have that strategy because I remember in my days at Pardot and, and going through Salesforce, we never talked about accounts. The conversation you just have, you're about to have with somebody saying that they're going to have 4,000 accounts, I don't remember having that conversation or even that thought. Maybe I'm, I'm not you know, thinking about it, but I really never had that thought until we started getting into account-based marketing. So I feel like there is part of me that makes me Wonder is like, look, for the first time, I'm actually now thinking and thinking strategically. And maybe I wasn't smart enough to do that before. Well, I, I, I doubt intelligence was the issue there. I will say that, you know, I, I think maybe two things happened that, that the nature of ABM brought you to think about something more strategic. And, and certainly there was a, a period where MarTech and, and, and certain aspects of MarTech. I, I mean, in a lot of ways, if, if you look from the, I think if you look at the period from about 2000, from 1997 to about yeah. 2005, I'm sorry, not 2005, 2015, went blank there, but to 2015, you, you had this strange thing happen in, in technology and high tech really became yeah. a thing then, um, which is, which is funny. People talk about technology. Anything new is a technology. Frankly, anything old is a technology. And so when we talk about technology, we tend to talk about high tech 1997, sorry to go back to my financial services roots, but 1997 was, was in many ways an emergence of, of, a, of, of the mainstreaming of private equity and venture. Real funds started coming. I mean, I mean, if you just look at the explosion of private money that was there to invest, it led to the Y2K problem. You know, everything was internet. Don't forget pets.com at one point was worth more than like every business in the world. And, and there became this thing where people started running to to tech and we started using these stupid measurements like, uh, well, at one point it was eyeballs, yeah. right? Remember that? Hey, I'm getting a lot of people to my site. I'm not making any money, but we're going to yep. monetize eyeballs. I'm, I'm sure we're all Silicon Valley fans. Um, at least the three of us here, you know, yeah. daily active users, right? How many people It's like, Hey, daily active users. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I don't know what, I, by the way, I think the part dot story is phenomenal. I, I, I heard David tell it um, a few months yeah. ago when I was down in Atlanta for the, um, and I, I was amazed by it and, and, and kudos to that. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you guys built it to sell, but I do know that you had a lot of, a, a lot of tech companies are built and funded yeah, you're, you're to right. sell. So the point behind that became, how are you going to get valued? Cause you're not going to get valued on profitability and you're probably not going to get valued on revenue, at least not to be worth it. So we created, frankly, a whole bunch of bullshit metrics that, that, that theoretically makes sense along the path for the purpose of creating valuations and so forth. And so you really have this, we were talking about echo chambers. I mean, the, the MarTech space is still this amazing echo chamber. Like I talk to people who run MarTech companies and they talk about what you have to do in sales and marketing. And I'm like, well, are you talking about tech sales and marketing? Or are you talking about sales and marketing? And like, let's not forget, mm-hmm. tech might represent 10% of sales and marketing in, in the world. There's, there's, and, and I don't, so I don't think that, I mean, I came from a sales background. 
So I never stop. I've always right. talked. I mean, about and this. I think that's the that's the big uh, difference, yeah. and that's why I think I wanted to make sure that I heard it right, and and that's what you wanted to say. I do feel very strongly that ABM is a strategy, and everything that I did until the point ABM became a thing. And to your point, yes, ABM has been done for years, right? Like the whole strategic account marketing is ABM. Field marketing, that happened with a lot of where we have regional offices where there are sales directors who are supposed to have Northeast region for them. That that was ABM. They had a list of accounts. But marketing was like, for, for me, being part of several high growth companies, it was never a thing. It was always, oh, this just drum up more leads. And no matter what quality leads it was, we would just ship it over to sales and always think like, why doesn't sales work on all my leads? So I feel like it pushed back marketers like me who are good at lead generation to ask the question like, are we doing the right thing? And, and that's why I love the, love the ABM part of it is because it finally made me think what I'm doing. For the record, inbound marketing is not a strategy. For the record, in, the inbound methodology is not a methodology. Mm. It's a philosophy. ABM is not a strategy for, for a couple of reasons. It, 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 is, it is something that gives you the parameters to create right. a strategy. But the problem is, is that people say ABM is a strategy. That's how it's getting put out there. So they go and they buy your book. They download a 70-page document and they say, I'm doing ABM. And, and that's – and like I'm being strategic. No, you're not being strategic. You're not being tactical. ABM might might lay the the chalk lines as inbound marketing does yeah. as as any number of things do it, you know might lay the chalk lines to make it easier for you to think about strategy yeah. and apply strategy but if you say I am doing ABM that doesn't mean anything just like if you say I am doing inbound marketing it's like saying I'm not killing my mother okay congratulations that's yeah. you've come <laughs> a long way you're 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 yeah. you're at the top there and and that's where it gets, and that's, you know, going back to Ryan, something we talked about before the recording, that, you know, this idea that ABM is being sold. I, I, I talk about, I talk about plumbing and fixtures. I think to really understand how businesses and things work, you got to go to the bathroom, right? The really important part of the house that no one talks about. Amazing fixtures, right? But they only work because of the plumbing. And so we steal the idea. Like there, Engageo had a um, had some ebook that they came out with a couple of years ago. One of the best ebooks I've ever seen. I mean, really good, solid stuff. And and people took it and said, "Oh, okay, there's my ABM. Yeah, there's my ABM trend." Yep. That's what I'm saying. ABM is is a category that that you can now create a strategy in alignment with, but, but ABM itself yeah. is All not right. a strategy. So, so I think what we probably can agree is that it, it really pushes you to have a strategy to begin with, because that's, I felt was lacking in, in organizations. And I yes. personally, I'll be the first person to say, I lack that. You know, my marketing plan was, my marketing plan was I need to write three blogs a week, have one ebook a month, have two webinars every single month, have a four events per quarter. I mean, that was my marketing strategy. And I, like, you know, quite frankly, that's how I ran it. I don't know how many people would, would say they do that too, but like I, I did that and that's not what I do now. I, I look at saying, oh shoot, all the stuff I'm doing, it's only engaging 10% of our tier one accounts. So what I'm doing, it doesn't make any sense. So what do I need to do to get in front of these tier one accounts that our sales teams are focused on? So it has helped me come up with it, maybe Doug, to your point, with a strategy to focus on the accounts that my sales teams care about as opposed to doing my own thing and feeling really good about this uh, artificial checklist of things to do. That's a good point. And, and so here's the problem in terms of how it gets implemented yeah. and why I make an issue about this. The process that you go through to define what is a tier one account, yeah. that is strategic. People come and they say, I'm doing ABM. Where's yeah, my tier they, one account? That's right, problem, they, right? Yeah. That's where you get the spray and pray. That's where, that's where the ABM strategies Frankly, the ABM tactics, because whatever, I mean, we forget, it, once you do something, if you're doing it, I love it, well, we're doing this strategy. No, 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 no. You're doing tactics. You can't do a strategy. And, and I know that sounds really, I mean, I, I know I'm getting really semantical there, but it's where we, it, it's where we get ourselves in, into trouble. It's, where, it's my problem. Someone says, oh, inbound marketing doesn't work for me. How could inbound marketing not work for you if you're doing it right, which means... Well, I, you know, I posted three blogs. I did this. That well, tell me about your customer. Uh, already, well, and you don't know what you're you don't know what you're inbounding, right? That that whole and so I, 
we blame so many things and, and, and there, I mean, the entire MarTech industry is built yeah. on FOMO, fear of missing out, right? It's, it's, here's the next thing. You haven't even done the thing seven things ago, but you're jumping on the next thing. You know what strategy is? Strategy, if you've ever seen oh, the movie Oh, yeah, Sawshank, that's one of my favorite, man. I've seen it maybe more number of times, so we can go through any dialogues in there. It's crawling through a half a mile of crap. And it hurts. Strategy is hard because you have to, to be strategic means you have to make decisions. When you decided who your tier one accounts were, you also decided who your tier one accounts were. Yeah, I were love that. I'm going to use that. Said, I'm gonna David, I'm going to seriously use that. I'm going to have a graphic of going through uh, uh, you know, half a <laughs> Man, you nailed it because visually and in reality, I think most marketers could pro- really relate to that. That was really good. Paradise lies on the other side yeah. of a half a mile of shit. And what we keep doing is we, we keep crawling through the first 10 to 50 feet and go, oh, no, 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 that, that, that's a better way. And, and so we end up crawling through 10 miles of crap, five to 10 feet of it yeah. at a time, and we don't get anywhere. Right? That's exactly right. That's and that's why point. sales and marketing has the same problems today that it had 20 yeah. years ago and 40 years ago, just different yeah. technology to support. You know, Doug, that's a good point too there where you say you're defining who your ideal targets are. You're also choosing who your targets are not. There's a, a saying that a, a good friend of mine, Scott Thiel, has uh, coined for me. You're defined more by what you say no to than what you say yes to. And I think he probably got that from Stephen mm-hmm. Covey somewhere because he's over at the Franklin Covey Group. But, you know, that, that, is a, that is a really good point. Now, while we're talking about this, we've had some different buzzwords kind of come up, right? We've talked about ABM. We've talked about inbound marketing. So for our listeners who don't spend all of their time in the universe of trying to create the technologies and implement the technologies and IE strategies or tactics on behalf of customers or educating them so that they can do it themselves. You're talking about different approaches. Sangram, you've talked about flipping the funnel, which acknowledges that there's a funnel, which acknowledges there's some kind of buyer journey or jobs theory at play where people are moving from one end of a spectrum to another end of the spectrum. Would you say in that context that ABM plays a role? I think that people might misunderstand you to say, don't do the funnel this way, do the funnel this other way. Now, maybe that's exactly what you mean. So are you saying that ABM targets a specific spot on this journey of decision-making that a end user, a customer goes through, or are you saying it's an entirely different approach towards inbound marketing? Where where would you aim ABM? Let me share something I heard from Joe Chernoff, who was at HubSpot. He's known for content marketing. He's known for like building that whole machine that they have now. And he said that, look, we all know HubSpot has done phenomenal with inbound and they talk about inbound, but he said, nobody talks about how many salespeople they have in the company. They have a ton of salespeople in their company, right? And that are following up on all of those. And then he went on and said that, you know what? We did an analysis of it and they could literally track when when it came to tracking to only less than like, they've created hundreds of thousands of pieces of content, right? But they can only go less than 50 pieces of content that they can track and said, you know what? These were the ones that actually drove revenue and, and had influence, right? And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, that's that's a lot of work. That is literally Shawshank Redemption to the T of going through a millions of pieces of content to all that crap to get to like those 50 or less that actually created value. And in my point in sharing all of that is this, what I believe happened is we started at the wrong place. And, and that's why it's very interesting when you think about flipping funnels. When you look at a traditional funnel, we start with like, hey, here are all the hundreds of thousands of people out there that potentially are engaging with content that you're putting on your website that potentially are your buyer based on now that we're looking at who downloaded the content and, oh, and maybe they have time to buy from us or it's the right time. So, so but by definition, you're starting at the wrong place. And what I feel why we talk about flipping your funnel to your point, acknowledging that there is a funnel is that instead of doing that, if you're in B2B, why not start with the right accounts, the right people that you want to get in front of? And more importantly than like, not more important, maybe the secondary, yes, you need to start with the right account is what marketing automation that I feel like I failed in delivering in my days at marketing automation big time was the reality that there are four, five, seven, ten 10 people in the decision-making process. 
and not engaging them at all and going crazy on that one person who made the mistake of downloading an ebook like crazy. I think those are the two fundamental things that the flipping funnel was is like, okay, if you're in B2B today, there's absolutely no reason for you to be guessing who my customer is going to be. If you're doing that, you better start with the drawing board and go and talk to LinkedIn, Discover Org, Data Nice, Sales Loft. There's so many tools that can give you that information, right? Once you know who your accounts are, then the second most important part is to figure out who are all the decision makers and make sure you know all of that. Then you get to engagement. So you can see the funnel is literally flipped. You don't start with engagement and then find who I'm, who's my customer. You start with who are my customers and, or, and future customers and then do everything you need to do. So your engagement is no longer about volume. I don't need 3,000 people on a webinar. I need 30 people from the accounts that I want to close. And that is just a fundamental mindset shift. So it, that's, that's kind of why we flipped the funnel. Okay, so let me drive in here a little bit. Yeah, Doug is waiting. Joey is chomping at the bits. See you, man. It's here. I, can <laughs> I see love it. this. So here, don't for, don't don't lose your spot here now. Now let, here's here's the point of what you just said. Now you're talking about. I wonder if what you just said is contextually driven, and and I'm gonna give you an opportunity yeah. to address that. Um, he because needs to fix that. All he right. needs to fix it. All right. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's contextually driven. And I also wonder about inbound still playing a role, right? So I'm not advocating for ABM or inbound. But as I think about multiple approaches that are at play at once, if I'm targeting, if I have 100 accounts and whatever r- tools I have have enabled me to identify these accounts and I make no effort to do any kind of what we would call inbound. And and each context in which we've talked about inbound, we've really defined it as this kind of um, spray and pray, right? We've got great stories about this kind of vomiting onto the internet. I'm sorry, I got it. Okay, Doug. We're we're heading down a path of inbound is attract, convert, close delight. The misapplication of of inbound, let's not let the spammers of of content Define what inbound is, because uh, what I would say is what merely say what Sangram started with was step one of inbound attract. Well, we can go back to the beginning of time. Seek yeah. and you will find. Well, if you're going to find, that means you have to know what you're seeking. The attract part begins with knowing what am I trying to attract. So I, I just want to be careful that when we define this and we start getting into either or games, we don't let the misapplication of something. Yeah live that, that conversation. So I'll let you yeah. go back to, to the conversation you were having, but I just, yeah. and, and Ryan, and to, may, I don't know if you're going to this part where I feel if we get the leads from the right accounts, inbound is hundred percent there, right? So once we let's work as an example, we, one of our biggest target audience that we feel really good about is high tech companies. And that's who we tar- target. So what we do is like, we know the list of companies that we have, and then we're doing advertising, direct mail, email, all the things, writing content. But now that content says that, hey, here's how we help high-tech companies. Here's how we do it. And then we would have a stream on the website and somebody from any, any one of those companies would come to our website. Now they're seeing content completely or as much as possible related to them, not just their logo, but content related to them. So we just went from creating blogs of why ABM is important to really saying why ABM is important for you and, and making sure that the content is related to it. So inbound, contextually, maybe that's kind of making very clear about it is we want to have people come in, but if you don't know who they are, then it's kind of just throwing, you know, throwing darts there. Once you know who they are, then there's no reason why the content cannot be created for just them. And I have played the game of having, like, again, at Pardot, we used to get 3,000 leads. 3,000. I had no lead problem. So I was like this rock star marketer who had insane amount of like kind of way of getting leads. And now I realized that, oh, if I were to go today and go back and find out how many of those leads actually turned into customers or how many of those leads are actually the right kind of leads that we were trying to close because you're we an SMB player, I think I would say out of 3,000, maybe it is 200. Amazing. 200 deals out of 3,000 leads. That's an awful conversion rate. But when we come back, we'll hear more from Doug and Sangram. But first, we need to address your year-end goals. 
This is where you and your team are furiously trying to drive as much demand and close as many deals as possible. And while you're trying to close your own deals, you might be in someone else's pipeline and they're trying to close you. Maybe you're looking at some piece of marketing or sales technology, or an agency's got a contract in front of you, or some other agreement that commits you to making an investment. And I know why you want to commit. You want to feel like you're taking steps towards transforming and growing your business. But I want to encourage you to take a deep breath and slow down. There is a right time and a wrong time to make those decisions. And if you aren't careful, you'll be once again wasting time, money, and energy. So here's what we're going to do to help you. We're making our Market Leader Fundamentals course available to you for free. Now, normally, this would cost you $300, but we're making it available to you when you go to bluematter.us forward slash free hyphen course. Again, that's bluematter.us forward slash free hyphen course. And of course, we'll try to put that link in any show notes or descriptions or podcast blogs that we put up. But here's what's important. You're going to get a 10-part video series that covers the key elements of our ML5 framework. You're also going to get a free account to Blue Matter and a sense of direction when it comes to ordering your strategy before committing to software or partners. If you don't take our course, you could be throwing money out the window. And given the fact that it's free, why wouldn't you go for it? All right, so let's get back to Doug and Sangram and jump in. You know, I was having a conversation with Jeb Blunt a couple of months ago, and we got into this, and we were talking about inbound versus outbound. You know, he's got his conference outbound, okay, and his kind of uh, retaliation towards only having this inbound. And I, we got into this, and he basically said yes. uh, both. What he said was, we want both. We want marketing to be working. We want inbound to be working. We want sales to be working. We want it all. In the words of Gary Vee, all of it. So in that context, I suppose where I'm driving is, is to not polarize. What I heard you go through, and we've, we've got our course in Blue Matter called ML5. Step one is your brand identity and step two is your target market. Now, yeah. Doug, you probably have some thoughts on this, but if I have my target market defined and I know who is an ideal customer profile, we're, we're talking the industry, we're talking the, the niche within that industry, and we're talking that buying group within that. When I've defined that, I can go use my sales navigator out of LinkedIn or any other, you know, data.com. I can use a variety of tools to narrow down accounts that, that there's data sets on that will say the market's large enough and I can get data there. But now I'm, I'm essentially creating an, a digital platform. This platform has social, it has advertising, it has content, it has downloadable offers. It's all the strappings of inbound. Now, when I'm making my efforts to reach out to these strategic accounts, I have these assets on hand and a sales process to match to try to warm up, nurture, and engage an audience that, I, that doesn't know me, but that I know them very well. And I'm trying to develop a relationship through ABM. But in like fashion, I may have people from that very audience who I've not gotten to yet, or from people who I didn't have a data set on to reveal that they existed that is also an ideal customer profile from that buying group who will discover organically through inbound or through some kind of ad campaign we ran at a large audience that wasn't individual accounts who can come to the exact same destination and have that same eureka, I found, I found something I want to pay attention to here. So isn't it really that we have one funnel and we can drive action and activity through both ends? Or, or am I wrong here? And Doug, you you can jump in. I'm 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 ready to listen. But go ahead, uh, Sangram. Right. So I, I and I, I want Jeff to uh, Doug to jump in because I know he's yeah he wants to and he needs to. Yeah, I want to on everything. So. But but we so we call it when I put the two graphics of the you know traditional funnel and the flip funnel, I call it all bound. And and that's what my personal view on this one is, and how we operate here at Terminus is it's all bound, which means. I don't want marketing team to focus on things that don't drive revenue. And a lot of times they would because if, if they don't know what they are really looking for. So we don't have a lead gen goal. We don't have that as our goal. All we have is tiered accounts that we have identified together as sales and marketing. And every day we look at everything. Every There's no lead source of any sort. It doesn't really matter where they come, who came from what. We all Every day, the metrics that we look at are one team scorecard. The dashboard that we look at is literally says tier one, tier two, tier three accounts. How many people are engaged in tier one? 
how many people are engaged in tier two and tier three, and figuring out what can we do. And that might mean many things. Oh, many of these people are in Boston. Let's do an event there or do a webinar because there are, tier, there are a lot of companies in fintech in tier one. Let's do a webinar specific to fintech. So the conversation that sales and marketings or marketing teams are having have nothing to do with leads, has everything to do with how do we drive more engagement in it. And marketing's role is to create engagement and that's it. It's nothing else more than what, what we used to do before. So we call it all bound and we have stripped away from inbound and outbound to, to your point. Cool. Doug. I, I think we got to stop letting sellers define strategies and tactics. I think that that's kind of step number one. We're conflating inbound and outbound. We're, we're conflating inbound with digital and content marketing and, and, and things like that. But let, let's remember what inbound really is, is the first, first of all. Do you like how we're supposed to be about ABM and we're talking about inbound? Inbound is the identification, which is, is, the desire has always been there. It's just now that the, the world has caught up. The buyer controls the process today. And that, that's new. I mean, that's 15 years new. Buyers had to conform to the way sellers sold. And sellers are still trying to hold on to it. And, and, and therefore, we, we talk about things and we define things in ways that are Frankly, for, for an industry that is so next generation into the future, we define things like we're back in the first phase of the industrial revolution in, in terms of very vertical approaches. And as we get bigger, we create more vertical approaches. And um, actually, I was going to say, Sangram, earlier, I think the problem is you guys were too good at marketing because you named something marketing automation that, in fact, I, when I... When I came from the sales side and started doing this, I struggled with marketing automation. I didn't understand what it was because I kept, um, it finally is what, it, what I wanted it to be. You guys did email automation. It wasn't marketing automation. You did one phase of one thing and we, but, but we let the seller, and by the way, kudos to you, right? Great marketing. But we let the seller define that and, and we've been running around going, oh, marketing automation and we forget the entire extra part of the marketing Puzzle. So I'll get to the core of where the problem is to your question. I'm here to straighten everything out. I thought you guys would, but you and your listeners would appreciate that, I, that I'm here to do that. The funnel is a horrible analogy and we got to, we got to, we got to ditch the funnel. I mean, I've, I have come around and we, we've spent about the, the last 18 months among doing other things to, to work on something to replace the funnel. Cause I've seen lots of people say ditch the funnel and all they do is they come up with their version of, of it's still a funnel. Frankly, the complex manufacturing line is a far better analogy and a far better metaphor to use. Here's the fundamental problem with the funnel analogy. And so when we use the funnel and we flip it, we're, we're, we're creating meaningless metaphors. If I pour stuff into the funnel, once I'm pouring stuff into the funnel, do you know what happens to the rate of throughput? Nothing. I pour more in, nothing happens in throughput. Right. So, so that's, and, and by the way, that's what we've done is we've been stuffing that that's where we had this lead mentality problem. I finally, I'm learning all kinds of history on this. And, and I, and I, and I said it when I first started doing inbound marketing, cause there was lead marketing qualified lead. I said, wait, we actually, the first thing we did was we created a, a term called qualified. lead. So from the very get go, when a lead came in, the first question we asked was, is this a qualified lead or not? So when we did inbound marketing, we measured from day one, what was our qualified lead yield? That's like, but what that percentage was of leads so came few in? People. Actually, like, I, I feel like majority, yeah, majority of the market is now doing that. I know. I understand that. I was that's what I'm saying. I was like totally confused. Like I don't understand. Remember, I was a sales guy. But you know, the, the problem is, what we have to manage our our we have to manage bottlenecks, and we have to manage. You know, if we think about the journey from a seller's perspective, and frankly, from a buyer's perspective, what we're doing is we're create we're taking raw material processing raw material to its next higher level of value. So getting somebody who's never heard of us that we care about to hear of us, that's a higher level of value. Getting engagement, you know, and, and, and systemically moving that forward. Now, the issue that I had earlier when, when you were talking, Singer, about what is ABM is, is twofold. One is you described one variation of ABM. There, there's another variation of ABM where, by the way, I would say it's not worth doing the level of research or thought because your sale value is too low. The things that, you know, you're, you're, you're a mass market, you know, pump it through. What are you solving for? Which again, goes back to the lesson 
that manufacturers learned. Sales executives are going to finally learn the lesson that manufacturing executives learned in the early 1980s, that this focus on efficiency is destroying our business, right? We have to focus on throughput. What are we solving for? What's that end piece? I believe you can take an ABM approach, but I, and I'll use myself as an example. I can define some of my market. I could identify maybe 10% of my addressable market. I have no means of valuable, reliable data that, that, that gives me a picture to focus on the customers that I want to do business with. I'm not, I don't focus on enterprise companies. They're not. And, and so when you look at Discover Org or, or LinkedIn or things like that, you get very varying levels of data, right? And, and by the way, our, our best clients have been, and our best clients have been people that we were unfamiliar with, oftentimes industries that we were unfamiliar with, that we then took that knowledge and realized what we were doing applied and began to focus on, on, on attracting more of that type of business, both from a let's target who are the people that we do know and we focus on them, but also how do we make ourselves attractive to those people? How do we answer the questions that they're asking? That's another variation of ABM. And then at a, at a whole nother level, that's even beyond what, what you do. I worked with a company, had 40 prospects in the entire world. There were 40 companies in the world that could buy from them. Another company had basically, a, they had a target list of 100 companies. And we're talking about Johnson & Johnson, I mean the, the Fortune 50 type companies. And in that case, the ABM strategy there is, what's your Johnson & Johnson yeah. message? What's your Johnson & Johnson very, very, content? Very, yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and those are all variations of, of, of ABM that start off with the most important strategic question that nobody answers. What are we solving for? What's, what's, what's the throughput? Everyone talks Moneyball. And, and what they think Moneyball is, is identifying a whole bunch of arcane metrics that no one's ever heard of to say, look how data-driven I am. And look, I'm playing Moneyball. Moneyball was, what, what is the thing that has the highest influence on the outcome that we want, realizing that we can't control the outcome? You've identified engagement with tier one accounts, tier two accounts, tier three accounts gets you to the end destination. If you can get that engagement, the outcome takes care of itself. That's so your engagement with tier one, two, and three is to you what runs were to the Oakland A's, right? That led to wins. Then you back that up to what are those things that come in and that's strategy. And I agree with you. If you don't know who your accounts are, if you don't know who you're really who you're trying to attract, then then you can't be strategic. So I, I would agree with you that account-based marketing maybe you know, that, that defining of accounts is a necessary step and one of the early steps to be strategic. But my point is, if you don't go through the hard, painful work of doing those things and realizing that just because what did it for you doesn't mean it's going to do it for Ryan or do it for me. If you're not going to go through that hard work and you're not going to build the plumbing to support it, then you're going to be on a conversational marketing. You probably are already are. And um, I've started to pull to take out, you know, because by the way, ABM inbound marketing, super, super hot for like two and a, two to two and a half years. Then it was ABM was like all anyone talked about for two. Now, you know, chat and conversational marketing, we're about six to eight months into it. So I figured we got about another 24 ish months. So I'm starting a pool for what's going to be the thing that everyone needs to do in 24. And you bring up a great point that people chase after things. I think what, I think for our listeners, what you need to come away with is that you hear this really healthy dialogue uh, essentially is trying to give you instruction that, that you have to work through the process of identifying who you are, who your ideal market is going to be, and then working through asking the hard questions and being willing to experiment with different approaches to being able to reach that target market to build a revenue engine so that you can sustain your business. And you're going to have to learn from multiple different disciplines and study how other people have done things. But really, what you need to do is you need to create your own ability to measure the work you're doing and to try to find the, the, the line of demarcation between things that were helpful for you in your context and the way that you need to sell to your defined market, uh, which is a great point. 
the more defined we are in our market, the more unique our approach, your particular approach is going to need to be. Sangram has his audience, I have mine, Doug has his, and in each of those different environments and places, we have to go to market in the way that our buyer prefers. And so there's these different approaches. And so you cannot get caught up in the, as I call it, the fanboyism, where everybody is chomping at the bit and chasing after what everybody is saying is the next thing. The reason that we chase after the next thing is because we don't have any idea what we're doing. We are so desperate for somebody to tell us what to do because we don't know how to think that once something becomes popular, that fear of missing out kicks in because we're not actually generating the kind of revenue we promised the CEO when we asked to do the last thing and the thing before that. And there's this ongoing history of being unsuccessful in our job or being unsuccessful in, in, in growing the business the way that you said you would. And so you're desperate for somebody to come along and say, oh, oh, you're not succeeding? Oh, the reason for that's obvious. You guys are, you guys are behind. Everybody's doing this. You're not. That's it. We just solved it. Buy the thing, stroke the pen, cut the check, hire the agency, hire the team, get the software, and you're all fixed up. You're going to be made whole. <laughs> I'm so, and you feel like you're so glad you found that. And then a year, two years later, you're in the exact same spot. You've just spent more money doing more things that you're just even more confused about and you're nowhere further down the pike. And so as we kind of uh, move towards wrapping this call, gentlemen, there's, there's been some really healthy dialogue here. I want to give you both the chance, the opportunity to answer this question. In which context do you believe ABM thrives the most? Sangram, you operate a tech company. You're going after enterprise or enterprise type accounts. Doug, you run a, a small business that's targeting small to mid-sized business, different audiences, different industries. There's enough between the two of you. I want you each to take a stab. Where do you think ABM thrives the most? Where do you think it's the weakest? And what do you typically see being stronger in those areas where ABM's weak? Sangram, we'll start with you, and then Doug will go to you and, and, uh, and hear what All you right. have to say. So that's a great question. What I have seen it work really well with uh, is typically with companies that have, you know, to some, some of what Doug, Doug said is like, they know exactly who their target audience is. And if it's 40, 100, 200, or a smaller segments of it, it's like they have been doing ABM for a long period of time, even before Terminus was there. Now Terminus is helping them do it better, more efficiently. So that's really what we're doing. What's interesting and more, I think, important for people who are doing marketing and thinking about ABM is, and what I've seen more than anything in the last six, 700 customers that we have is that, and I, again, I didn't do it. And that's why I'm very, very excited about it is that I'm seeing marketers do pipeline velocity campaigns. That wasn't something that we did when, when I was running marketing for, for even at Salesforce, for the most part. I've, I'm seeing marketers do upsell, cross-sell, which I like to call observing of accounts. And I have not seen that do, done before at, at the scale at which it's getting done. So what, what, in my view, the greatest opportunity for people to think about when they're doing ABM is that, look, as marketers, we have been put in a box of demand generation and lead generation and saying that, hey, marketers, go and create demand, go create more leads. And what ABM allows you to do is say that, hey, look, the color of money is still green. So if I can increase the throughput, as Doug said, with the deals that we have, because I already know who these people are. So now I can do more with them or upsell, cross-sell and get them to buy more services, land and expand in those deals. I'm going to drive revenue. I think it has just opened up a whole host of conversations that marketing automation and all the things that we did previously never did because it pushed us in a corner. So a lot more opportunities beyond demand generation and especially in pipeline velocity is what I see. Doug. Probably easier for me to say where would ABM not work. I think ABM doesn't work in very low ACV annual or ASV, whatever you want to call it. Um, everyone's changing the, the terminology these days. Um, I, I, I think it, it, it comes down to what level of professional sales and marketing approach can, can you put to something. And, and that's not to say that consumer marketing is not is not professional. It's really more... If sales is involved, 
if there's truly a sales effort, then it's to me, it's not a question of, of does ABM work or not? It's what flavor, what game plan and playbook of ABM plays to that. I, I do think to, to something that got brought up earlier, where a lot of the, the, the sales and marketing misalignment comes from, and Lord knows I could do a two-hour podcast on that topic as well, is that sales has always been, B2B sales has always been inherently account-based, even though I, Sangram, I think you bring up a good point. They probably didn't talk about accounts like they used to and they should have. Marketing being lead-based and, and, and not thinking about that, we were creating conflicting messages. So ABM brings that marketing and sales message together because you know we think about online, offline. We think about blog or or this. We think about trade shows. To the customer, it's just the experience. And, and oh, by the way, if you think their interaction with you is what drives their expectations with you, you know how zero moment of truth was the popular term, right? That's so. If you're not familiar with this term, this is the zero moment of truth observation of the last two years, and it's called liquid expectations. Liquid expectations is our experience in places that have nothing to do with one thing are changing our expectations in other places. We, we go to a restaurant and our expectations have changed because of Uber. We search and we get instantaneous response from Google. We can't understand why five minutes before the flight's supposed to take off and we're still sitting in the terminal the airline hasn't given us an update. We, we expect those things, not because there was another airline that was doing it, but because of something totally unrelated has changed those expectations. I'm the customer. I'm whole. I'm looking out. We think of, our, our, of ourselves as the seller and we segment these things. What ABM does at, at its base, I think, is, is, it, is it brings those things together. So we look at it. We look, it forces us to look at things from an account view, which is close to looking at it from a customer's viewpoint. So I guess it's one place to start. I, I, I recommend that we go deeper. Now, again, where it doesn't work is it doesn't make sense or we don't, or, or the economics don't support. And I, and I see that's one place where people get themselves in trouble is they try to do something where the economics simply don't support that level um, and you need to figure out some other way to, to, to slice and dice it. But, but certainly, if you're selling something that's more than $10,000 a year, certainly more than $15,000 a year, and you're not thinking in terms of some form of account-based marketing, then, then you're, you're missing the boat there. And, and again, to me, the bigger question is, what slice of ABM are you doing? Hmm. Well, if we had more time, I would probably get you into another question about SDRs and ABM and how it all fits together. Maybe that's got to be a webinar. But what do you guys think about this? Did you, anything that you wanted to say before I close the call? Any question you wanted me to ask that you didn't get a chance to answer? Or any point you wanted to bring up? I want to say, I want to say one thing to, to what you talked about earlier with experimentation. Because I think, I think experimentation has been misunderstood. You, you, know, you know what experimentation means? The real definition of experimentation? Go for it. Failing and cracking your teeth. And no one talks about that. We, 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 we've glorified failure by calling it experimentation. And here's what I mean by that. Because you said something that was interesting, because I say the same thing, by the way. It's always fun to hear somebody who says what I say. and like, wait a second, that's not initial, right? And, and you said, you know, we're, because we don't want to think. There, that's definitely true in a segment. I think people are jumping on the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because they don't want to fail. Right. So it's, oh, ABM's the thing. Okay. Let me jump on that. I'll get that. And, and it, it is funny. I hate to give Seth, Seth Godin credit for this, but Seth Godin talked about, um, I forget, but he talked about people strategically quitting. And he said, the problem is not that, that successful people quit, you know, successful people don't quit and failures do. It's that failures quit at the wrong time. And, and I think, you know, if you look at it and this goes back to the, the half mile of shit reference. And that with, is, uh, I'm Shawshank. telling you, that is a brilliant reference. You should have a, a whole thing. I mean, this is so freaking awesome. It's in one of my books, yeah, by the way. I'll send, I'll, send you, I'll send you a copy of the book. We fail, then we jump on the next thing. And, and I think we're probably just about a couple steps away before we actually began to, to learn something. But, but we keep being told that, 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 that failure, you know, failure bad. And, and no one likes getting kicked in their teeth, right? But, That's but the only way to learn. Making it yours is yeah. about getting kicked in the teeth. And, 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 that's, and, and we're, we're, if you're going to get to the other side... Like it's it's the it's the part of the story that no one tells, is if you're gonna get to the, you're gonna you're gonna get beat up and bloodied along the way. It's just it's if you if you could do it any other way, 
someone would have figured that out and written the book and licensed it. And they'd be, you know, they'd be Jeff Bezos. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Sangram and Doug, thank you so much for for joining me on uh, this episode today. I want to make sure that if anybody wants to get in touch with you, I think we've given them plenty of reason to want to do that. Sangram, they can get in touch with you or through your organization at Terminus.com. And then also there's the Flip My Funnel conference that's coming up in Boston on August 8th. So that's just around the corner, but you can still get your ticket. And now for Doug, Doug, you run Imagine LLC and ImagineLLC.com is the best place to get in touch with you. What you can be uh, promised from either one of these uh, organizations is you're going to get clear thinking, you're going to get very reasonable suggestions, and you're going to find tools and approaches that may be a good use for your business. So I appreciate you both joining today and uh, we'll get together again soon. Great. Thanks. Bye for now. Wow. What a show. I hope you've gotten a better understanding of ABM and you have a sense as to how you'd use it. Maybe even understand what the controversy is all about. But more than that, I hope that you've learned how important it is that you really know your business, who you are and your market, who you serve. Without those details, ABM is literally impossible. You see, ABM fits into step three of the ML5 framework. And if you'd like to know more about how to structure your company's strategy to see if it should include ABM or inbound or content or any other form of demand generation, make sure you go to bluematter.us forward slash free hyphen course and get our free market leader fundamentals course. And as always, thanks for joining and we'll see you here next week. I just want to say thanks for listening, and I do hope you got a ton of value out of today's episode. But can I ask you a favor? Without your feedback, we will never get better. So if you love the show, here's what I want you to do. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. But if you thought we deserve less than five stars, email me, ryan at bluematter.us, and tell us how we can improve. I'll read every email you send, so make sure you let me know. And hey, this show, it's not just meant for you, it's meant for your whole team. So why not share it with them? I promise you'll all be better for it. Thanks.